All right, welcome in Undraftables Podcast, episode number two of the week. Kate Carlton, Kate Livingston with you. Glad you're with us. Episode two of what might be a three-episode week, uh, but a lot of fun yesterday and uh, been a lot of fun so far today as we caught up with senior golf writer at ESPN.com, Bob Herrick, who was actually on site for the PGA Championship uh, this past weekend, talking everything golf with him. So a fun conversation with him that we'll get to a little bit later on. Before we do anything, I'll say what's up to uh, Caleb Livingston on the other side of the phone. Man, what's going on? It's, uh, hey, two two days in a row we're setting records, man. Yeah. We're uh, having fun <laughs> and, you know, writing our own rules. Uh, right. Yeah, you know, like, I guess, you know, this is this is our fault for not teasing uh our audience yesterday we should tease like hey we had a member of the media that was at the pga could be steph curry because he was technically <laughs> part of the media you know um, yeah yeah you know but uh I, I, speaking of this is like totally off the subject of what we're going to talk about but i don't know if you saw where under armor is going to create a steph curry brand i did see like, that like yeah. nike did with jordan kind of cool you know he he deserves it he's He's brought a lot of business to Under Armour, and right. they're taking care of him, and you know, good for them. Yeah, no doubt. But uh, we didn't talk with Steph Curry as a media member. It's Bob Herrick well, of ESPN.com. Yeah. And we'll- hey, Bob Herrick, Steph Curry, like I think we got the better end of the deal. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so, too. I mean, he had some pretty good stuff uh, on all things PGA. Um, I know we have a few golf fans that listen. I know one in particular, shout out to Paul Pena. Uh, so... Yeah, uh, great stuff with him, but we want to get into a couple of things before Paul, we... Paul Pena, the big Bryson DeChambeau fan. Yeah, the big Bryson DeChambeau <laughs> fan. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, yeah, so great stuff with him, uh, but we want to get into a couple of things before we got to that interview. Um, you know, we said last week that we're only going to do about 10 or 15 minutes leading up to Phil Steele, and it wound up being 40 minutes, so who knows if that's the case today, but... Uh, uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, August the 11th, um, and so by the time it's out, it'll probably be 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon, but um, so I guess about uh, 1.30, 1.45 this afternoon, uh, the Big Ten came out and said that they were canceling all fall sports. I guess canceling's not the word. Postponing fall sports in hopes to play them in the spring, this is something that's been rumored for the last 48 hours or so. Obviously, we hit on it uh, yesterday. I think you and I are both in agreement that maybe it's not the right decision. Um, I mean, but it's interesting, though. I mean, it's going to shake up everything in the college football landscape. And, like, we've already seen Nebraska come out and release a statement and say, hey, like, we're continuing to practice and we're trying to find a way to play a season, even if it's not in the Big Ten. So, um, I don't know, man. I just uh, and here's my thing: the ACC and the top infectious doctor at Duke University, which you know I've heard a rumor has produced a lot of smart people, uh, came out today and said that he thinks there is a way to play the season, and that obviously there will be risk involved, but we can mitigate those risks and safely play a football season. And then the Big Ten comes out and says, eh, maybe not. Man, it, this is just getting ridiculous because you've got well, – I mean, and I read today where the Pac-12, their doctors said no. My yeah. question is, why are we just now talking to doctors? Like, yeah. 
<laughs> what have we been doing for all this time? You know, and and here's the I know they've been talking to doctors, but but the doctors are just now figuring this stuff out. No, like just be honest with your fans of why you're not going to play. Like part of it has to do with COVID. We hit on it yesterday. We don't need to go into detail what our thoughts right. on that are, but like just be honest with us. You know, like. <laughs> I don't know. I just transparency is just lacking in mm-hmm. just about every area in our country right now. And we shouldn't be surprised that it's lacking college football, especially when the NCAA is quote unquote uh, in charge of college athletics. Yeah. You know, you wonder where are they at? You know, they want to, they want to make sure a kid can't get paid or is ineligible when they transfer or whatever. But when the big, big issues come up, they're nowhere to be found. And, We've got league presidents doing their own thing, and it just looks like a cluster is what it looks like. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, I just – I'm checking Twitter for the first time in about 30, 45 minutes right now, and I'm just seeing where uh, the Pac-12 has also um, said they're going to cancel their season um, or postpone their season and hope to play in the fall if coronavirus conditions improve but like at this point it feels like you know the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are like we're out you know for, for whatever reason for whatever reason and, and I've yet to see any of the top infectious doctors or you know medical professionals at any of those universities give us a solid ground reason as to why being in an environment where you're going to get tested regularly um, being in an environment that is controlled, being in an environment that, uh, you know, has people that are constantly looking out for you is worse off than being at home where you don't have access to testing. Like I've yet to see anybody come out and say why, you know, this is a good idea. But here's where we're at is that those two conferences have said we're out. The SEC and the ACC are like, listen, we're playing. Like, unless something drastic happens between now and the end of September, we're playing. And it feels like the Big 12 is just like, ah, uh, sway me. Well, the Big 12 is sitting there like, please, nobody ask us. They're, they're that kid in class that, please don't call on me. Please don't call on me. We're going to go about our business, and hopefully nobody says anything. <laughs> and, uh, I, like, so I'm checking Twitter as well, and um, – I come across Jeff Goodman's last couple tweets and he hits the nail on the head right here. He says, maybe these conference leaders need to try and get on the same page next time. Cause this has turned into a complete show and he's right. Like he hits the nail on yes. the head. And, and then he has a quote from a power five AD talking about the big 10 impact 12 canceling their football fall football. He says, You've got one pro guy with no background in the industry in Kevin Warren, and you got a guy in Larry Scott who acts like he's smarter than everyone else. We're su- supposed to be about the players. This isn't about the players. No, like, it's not. It, it's it, And so, okay, so here's the deal. You want to say we've talked to our doctors, and they say we don't need to be playing. Okay, that's fine. Tell us what they're saying, because why don't you want to help the whole country? Yes. You know, I mean, like – are you that selfish you know because and i know you're i know you're not in the same you know region or whatever as the sec and the acc but one would assume if it's not safe for you to play it's probably not safe for them to play so if that's the case like why are we so hush hush on the actual reason why we're not playing college football in the big 10 of the pac-12 
Hey, Jeff Goodman's full of great tweets. Just came across this one. If you're not following him, follow Jeff Goodman. He's great college basketball, yeah. um, you know, media personality. He says one power five, another power five AD to why this has become a complete mess. The egos in that group of commissioners can't can't ever seem to be put aside. It's a dick measuring con- contest nonstop, and like you just see it, it's really getting yes. played out now because we have nothing else to cover, and and now it because the NCAA won't come out with leadership. This is what we've got. Yeah, and and, and what we have seen is. You know, a lot of people hate the SEC. Hate the SEC. I really don't care uh, because for years and years, it's proven to be the best conference in all of football. And even on its down year, it might just go down to the second best conference, which is not often. But say what you will about the SEC. What the SEC has done in this, and they've been the only conference, at least to this point, to my knowledge, to really do it, is that their commissioner, Greg Sankey, has shown leadership. He presented the plan. We're starting on September 26th. We're playing 10 conference games. Come hell or high water, we're going to do it. We have the money. We have the resources to do this successfully without putting any student athletes in harm. And by God, we're going to do it. I mean, here's the deal. Like, There is no secret why the SEC is the king of college athletics and not just football. Yes, they may not be the best basketball conference. They're one of the best. But they they are king of the hill in college athletics because of leadership. Um, hey, th- they're starting September twenty sixth. There's there's reason behind that because if there starts being outbreaks on campuses, they have have a built in bye weeks. It seems like to to help corral the spread of it if it happens. Like Greg Sankey looks like a genius right now. Yes, and. And these other cats, if I'm the ACC and Big 12, hey, I'm going to acknowledge, hey, SEC, you're king of the hill. We're going to follow your plan. And just ride the coattails. You'll be better off. You won't look stupid like the Big 10 and Pac-12 does right now. And, like, here's the thing. It might get to October 15th, and it's like, you know what? Like, we just can't do it. You know, there's too much factors. and There's too many factors involved. We've seen athletes test positive. It's just not worth it. And if that's the case – Okay, fine, I get it. But at least you tried. At least you tried to salvage a season because at the end of the day you realized it's not about me, it's about the kids. Yep. And so that's where we're at right now. You know, no surprise at the Pac-12. We all, everybody knew they were just going to fall in line with whatever the Big Ten did. Yeah. Um, you know, I, it lets you, if I'm a Pac-12 school, I'm looking for the first train out of the Pac-12. Like, I mean, it's just getting ridiculous out there. Um, anyway, hopefully we get some college football. Um, you know, Mountain West canceled. You know, we we didn't get a chance. They did that yeah. after. You know, uh, we we left our our pod yesterday. So you know, which again, I get group of fives canceling because they're going to lose a lot of money. Right. Right. But again, let's be 100% honest about it and say it's that and not say it's because of COVID. Because I, if it was because of COVID, like you would have known a month ago or two months right. ago. Well, and I think this is true, is that I believe it, it, at bare minimum, five conferences are playing. SEC, ACC, ACC, or AAC, CUSA, and Sunbelt. 
All of those are regioned within the South. I think all five of those are playing. I don't know about anybody else, but I think all five of those are going to play. And you know what? Honestly, I don't care if anybody else plays because I only really watch SEC games or ACC games They're in the, the occasional Big 12 shootout because nobody plays defense in the Big 12. So, yeah. um, you know, so, hey, here we go. Let's play, let's play some football. Let's get it going. College so. athletics are a mess. But one thing that's not a miss is the PGA Tour uh, PGA Championship was this weekend. Uh, h- incredible finish, Kyle Morikawa on 16. Um, it, you know, he talked about earlier in the week in his practice sessions and his media availabilities about how you know 16 was air quotes a gettable par four, even though it wasn't really gettable because there were bunkers to either side, and you know if you go left or right, you're either gonna be in the bunker or thick second stu- thick second cut. But he talked about how he was not going to drive the green, but on Sunday, pulls out the driver, hits it to within six or seven feet, makes the bird, makes the eagle putt, and cements his legacy as a PGA Championship winner. Uh, and like, it's a big win for golf, man. Like, it, the ratings were huge. Uh, you know, it, it went down to the wire. The leaderboard was jammed. You know, you had like six or seven guys tied for the lead with seven or eight holes to go. And like, it, it was a huge, huge win for golf and one of the best major championships, I think, of my lifetime. Oh, uh, yeah. It's been, I've seen a lot of good ones. Um, but that was as good as I've seen recently, you know. Um, and that shot on 16, um, I mean, I feel like it was an unbelievable shot. I feel for him a little bit because he didn't get the crowd reaction. That he, yeah. Like, that place would have went nuts, and it would have been awesome, you know. Um, to me, that's one of the best shots that I've seen in a long time, you know. I Especially in a major, I go back to – uh, I can't remember what hole it is at the Masters where Phil hit the one out of the pine pine needles right. over the creek, you know, onto the green, and you know that's he missed out on that from the crowd. But let's not forget he had to make the eagle putt too that kind of sealed the deal for him, and he stepped up, calm, collective, and just knocked it dead center. And um, unbelievable finish, you know, to have that amount of players in contention that late in the in the final round was awesome. Yeah. Um, so just, you know, it's, it's going to be cool to hear from, you know, Bob to, to kind of hear with his thoughts of he was there, you know, he got to witness it and, and give us, you know, kind of his insight on what's going on and, and being at tournaments without fans and, and just kind of how things are a little bit different this year. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it, it was really cool sitting down with him, just chopping it up about the PGA tour. Um, Again, like I and I think the winter of this weekend, and you know, we didn't ask him about it, uh, you know, just because we wanted to talk about the actual product on the field. But I think the winner this weekend uh, was ESPN because, man, like every golf fan hates CBS's coverage. Like every golf fan hates it. It's not necessarily hate the commentators. Like I don't really like Nick Faldo, and I don't really like Frank Nabilo, but everyone else is fine. I don't really hate the commentators. But CBS takes a break like every 10 or 15 minutes, and it feels like they're showing more shots of the fog in the sky and more breaks than they are actual golf. But I'm telling you, the winner this weekend, last weekend, was ESPN. And I would not be surprised to see more PGA events at ESPN because 
Um, even the ESPN Plus like featured group streams were phenomenal. Everything about ESPN's coverage last weekend was phenomenal. And I think anybody that watched it would agree with me. Like Thursday, Friday, and then the early part of Saturday, Sunday, ESPN coverage was the best golf coverage I've seen in years. I mean, when you anytime you have Sean McDonough and Scott Van Pelt out there as commentators, you know, you can't go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was yes, I, I agree. Like it, it was awesome for ESPN. Um, it was it was fun to watch. Like I, I'm usually not one to sit and want to watch golf all day, but man, I found myself just glued to it all four days. You know, r- around lunchtime through the end of it. You know, so uh, no, really fun interview with Bob coming up. You know, and and. Uh, you know, looking forward to hopefully having him on, you know, and for future shows that maybe after majors and stuff yeah. and, and uh, hearing his insight. He had some great insight, uh, and we'll go ahead and get into that now. Bob Herring, he was at the PGA Championship last weekend. Gives us his thoughts on that and more right after this. All right, welcome back as uh, we're pleased to be joined today by uh, Bob Herring, senior golf writer for ESPN. Uh, on the heels of a, an exciting PGA Championship finish um, a few days ago out in uh, California. Bob, thanks for hopping on with us this afternoon. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, and I want to get into the PGA, you know, the PGA Championship. But first off, uh, you know, this is we're entering in, I guess, on month two of the PGA's return to play. Um, and you know, there were a few scares there at first, uh, with positive coronavirus tests and whatnot, but for the most part, um, you know, it really hasn't been an issue. Just how has the tour been able to be so successful in containing this virus and keeping everyone inside a bubble, even though, you know, you're traveling to different destinations every week? Right. Yeah. It's really not a bubble. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's 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 got a lot of a lot of factors involved that uh, that could go wrong, and I think you know what's what's happened is is there's a good amount of uh, personal responsibility that's taking place, right? That that's helping, you know, the people that are part of this, the players, the caddies, um, the on-site people that are tested, you know, are probably doing their best to do the right thing when they're not there um, or even when they're on site. I mean, it requires away from the site too. They leave, they don't, you know, they go home, they travel mm-hmm. their own way and their own ways. And so there, there's other outside factors that are brought into it. So, you know, if you're not doing the right thing, then you bring danger into play. Um, so there's also some good fortune in, in, in play too, I think, you know, I mean, you could do everything right here and still, and still, get unlucky right you know and so i think it's all added up that way they've been very very fortunate the ones the ones who have gotten it haven't spread it uh they've you know they've they've gotten ahead of it they've managed to find out that you know who they were they got out of there they they isolated the people they were in contact with and they've managed to um you know keep the numbers down and i mean you know this this week will be the 10th week and and we, I think we've had a total of um, ten cases right. uh, in, between players and caddies. So, you know, we're going to have some. It's inevitable, 
but uh, when you do, are you able to uh, to keep the numbers down and keep keep others from getting it? As we've seen in some of the team sports, all it takes is one or two to spread. Yeah, and then you've got a problem. Yeah, and you know, talk, talking about with the uh, obviously with all these tournaments going on, there hasn't been any fans there. Um, how has it been covering these tournaments and? There and you've we've had tournaments now major without the fans being there. Kind of talk about the experience, and I, I know it's a little bit different even watching it on TV, but being there, kind of kind of talk about that for us. Yeah, you know it is a little bit odd to be there, and there's no spectators, and uh, you know you can we can roam around, roam about freely. Um, you know, there's nobody looking for autographs. Uh, there's no traffic going to the course. Um, you know, all these things that you're used to kind of dealing with. And uh, uh, it's, you know, the golf is still the golf. The golf is still really, really good. But, I mean, as I noted the other day when Morikawa hit that shot on 16, uh, yeah. the, the drive, I mean, that would have been greeted with, you know, that was an incredible shot that was basically got, you know, a, a smattering of applause. It, it's just kind of a weird dynamic going on right now. And, uh you know, I, I think for the most part, you know, the players are they're sort of sheepishly okay with it. You know, it makes their job easier. You know, they don't have to sign autographs, they don't have to fight through crowds, they don't have to worry about distractions so much. Um, sure there are some negatives. The ground doesn't the grass doesn't get trampled down, there's not as many people to help them look for a ball. But uh, you know, I think they've for the most part adapted pretty well. You know, and, and to get into kind of the PGA, because, you know, I know for people like us on the central and eastern time zones, this was like one of the greatest things to ever happen because you wake up at 8 or 9 o'clock, you have golf, and then, you know, by the time you're going to bed, it's still going on at 9 o'clock at night. Um, but, you know, just kind of want to get your thoughts on the PGA. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're we're going to the back nine on Sunday. There's six or seven or eight guys, you know, all within a shot or two of the lead, if not tied for it. Um, you know, just kind of your overall thoughts on that Sunday and just how the course played uh, throughout the week. Well, I thought it couldn't have gone much better. I mean, to have seven guys tied for the lead there with, you know, five, six holes to play yeah. uh, for a majority of them, you know, I, I, it's the sort of stuff you dream of as a fan. I mean, you want it to be close. You want a lot of guys to have a chance. You want there to be a lot of drama. And we had it, you know. I mean, really, until Morikawa made that eagle – uh, there was no, you know, nobody could tell who was going to win. You know, even even when he made the chip in for birdie on 14, he was only mm -hmm. one ahead, and then and uh, um, uh, Paul Casey tied him, and there was plenty of guys behind with a chance to to tie, you know, or, or to catch up. And uh, so that part was great. I thought they could, they set up the course really well. I mean, uh, Sunday was meant for scoring on the back nine. The front nine was tough. The back nine allowed some opportunities. Um, instead of it just being a slog where everybody was fighting it, there was chances if you hit the shots. Yeah, you know, and uh, that uh, I thought it you know resulted in a, in a great outcome. You know, I what was thirteen under was the winning score. Kind of hard to hard to uh, you know quibble with that. I mean, uh, if uh, if uh, if the weather had been a little bit nastier the first two days, like we saw in the practice rounds, I think that score would have been lower. Yeah, you know, you, we mentioned obviously Morikawa's shot on sixteen and how that kind of he, he hits that shot. He hasn't hit the green, you know, drove the green all week on that hole, and then hits the shot of the tournament. And 
it was we already talked about how weird it was without the fans um just talk about you know just kind of the reaction on the golf course you know because you didn't hear the roar and and he even looked like on tv that he didn't know how good a shot he hit and but he kind of eventually ended the tournament with that shot and then you know making that putt for eagle yeah the the putt is what did it i mean I noted in a piece I wrote that we've had some instances over the years where guys hit the great shot like that and then don't make the putt. Yeah, uh, the, the shot's still great and it still matters, but to 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 seal it with the putt is what the point was. I mean, he could have hit that ball anywhere on the green, possibly. It wasn't probably that hard to get on the green, uh, you know. And you got a twenty, thirty, forty footer for eagle. You're thrilled to make birdie, but to hit it to seven feet and make it is is a whole different uh, whole different deal. Uh, and yeah, I don't think he knew how close it was. If there had been spectators out there, he would have known because they would have, he would have heard the, you know, sort of the crescendo of noise as the ball got closer and closer and closer. And instead it was, you know, uh, uh, you know, 50, 60 people at the most on the whole, you know, clappering, maybe clapping. Maybe there was a little bit of noise. Uh, he, he could tell he hit a good one, uh, and that it was probably on the green, but even he said on the green, it could have been 50 feet. You know, you're talking about Morikawa. So he wins the PGA. He wins the Charity Open. He's gotten a lot of top 10s and top 20s. You know, and I know it's been a weird and it's been a shortened season, um, but how likely do you think that he is to maybe be vying for that PGA Tour Player of the Year at the end of the year? I think there's a great chance now. I mean, uh, you know, he's uh, – Justin Thomas has three wins. Morikawa has two and yeah. a major – and the you know we've got the playoff events to come and it's a year with only one major you know so that's going to stand out right and if if he can win one of these playoff events um that would have an impact uh justin thomas is leading the points right you know so he's got a leg up on on winning the fedex cup uh but of course to win you know to 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 win it you've got to win the last tournament that's that's basically who's the FedEx Cup champion, the winner of that tournament. So, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, it's 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 going to be interesting to see if, how that how that plays out here. If neither one of them wins, and if one of them were to say finish second in the points, uh, then uh, you know, then you've uh, then then you've got a, a I think a pretty decent argument. Yeah, and uh, you know, one one big storyline from the weekend was everybody wanted to see how Tiger played. You know, and I think you, I think we can say he was up and down all weekend. I think you know he had a, a good Thursday opening around Friday and Saturday his putter let him down, um, and Sunday he responds with a three under. Kind of talk about what you thought of Tiger's play over the weekend, and, and maybe you know is is he getting better? Is he going to make a run at a at a win this year possibly? And also. You know, he switched putters on us. You know, what do you think of that? Yeah, well, whenever he does that, it's a big deal because the one that he's used uh, for so long, he's won so much with. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's he's he has switched in the past uh, and always gone back. And I, I expect at some point he'll go back. Although the, the actual putter itself is very, very similar to the one to the scotty cameron that he's been using it is a scotty cameron it's just weighted differently and it's longer you know so the actual um i i think the actual characteristics of the putter are very very similar to what he's been using for all these years anyway 
And the longer putter allows him to stand up a little straighter, which takes some pressure off his back. And I think that helps him practice more. And that's, so that's a good thing. Um, you know, the rest of his game was kind of shaky. I mean, it was up and down. It, it, it sort of looked like a guy who hasn't played a lot of competitive golf. There was a lot of good, um, certainly to take out of it. I thought he looked really good on Sunday. Yeah. Um, a lot of good swings. He looked good physically. That's always going to be a factor. It's always going to be important. Uh, and, and maybe more so than anything, can he, can he stay physically fit? And, uh, uh, but the other things, you know, it's like, it's, you're asking yourself a lot to be competitive with, with the elite players today. If you're spotting them so many competitive rounds and then you're trying to get ready for a course that, you know, you know, think about it. The tiger hasn't been in cold weather in six months. Yeah. You know, he, he's played all of his golf in the in, in one round in the Midwest in 90 degree heat and the rest of it in Florida where it's hotter, hotter. You know, the, the temperature never got above 70 degrees in San Francisco. It was chilly and damp and it's the ball reacts different. I realize it was the same for everyone. But uh, then you throw in the lack of competition and I think it's sort of, you know, I, I think you, you kind of get what you get there. You know, he. He, he actually on Saturday saved himself from a really horrific round. I mean, he should have shot higher than 72. He did well to get it in at that, the way, the way he was hitting the ball. So, you know, it's stuff to build on. I, I'm expecting he's going to play next week and the week after so mm-hmm. he can maybe g- get a little bit of momentum now, you know, get some rounds under his belt, maybe get some success. Yeah, and, you know, he's probably looking at a situation to where – He's going to play three weeks in a row. Obviously, if he gets the you know the point total up to where he can get inside that top thirty at the Tour Championship, so you know him playing three weeks in a row and maybe trying to get into some type of rhythm. How much do you think that's going to help him as the majors come along? Uh, you know, in September, then in November. Yeah, I think it's huge. I mean, uh, you know, at least he goes in there with a little bit more of a fighting chance and having played some of the same events the other guys were. You know, and just dealing with it, you know, dealing with walking, dealing with standing around, uh, hitting more shots under pressure. You know, if he could play, even if he doesn't make the tour championship and if he plays the next the next two after this week, you know, then he's got two weeks off to get ready for the U.S. Open. Um, there'd be maybe one tournament he would play between the U.S. Open and the Masters. And now you're getting into a little bit of a rhythm. You know, you're you're practicing, playing, yeah. practicing, playing. You know, hopefully avoiding any problems. Uh, it's hard to come back and play. You know, his his second event out of nine, uh, three weeks after the first event, he hadn't played for the first five. Right. And before that, hadn't played for four months. So, kind of a lot to ask there. You know, m- moving on to a, a guy that I know Cade and I are real interested in, in, in Jordan Spieth. You know, he he's not been very good. Um, kind of, I mean, what what what's going on with him? And, and kind of talk about how important this week at Wyndham is for him to ca- maybe get back going because he's, you know, at one time he was the up and coming guy, and he's really fallen off. And uh, you know, kind of what what is going on with him, and what's his problem areas right now? Well, there's a lot going on with him. I mean, basically what's happened is, is he's he lost his swing. He's been fighting to get it back. He doesn't trust it under pressure. Uh, it, there's been too many cases where it hasn't worked under pressure. You know, he has two good rounds and then a bad round. Uh, you know, he's 
You know, you just look at his stats and he's nowhere near where he was. You know, he's just not he, he's he's not hitting in the fairway enough. His his strokes gained approach to the green is off. Um, you know, he he's he's had really, really good moments with the putter, but he's also had some bad ones. Um, and, you know, something happened. He got out of sorts and he, it's just been a struggle to get it back. Uh, you know, Saturday was a great example. You know what? He was four over par for the round after six holes. And, uh, you know, he made eight bogeys. You know, he seems to have these issues where he, he ha- he'll have at least one double bogey around. He'll have it going. You know, he'll, 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 he'll have five or six birdies, but he'll have a double. You know, it's just ruining him. You know, it's tough. So uh, I feel for him. I mean, he's been working hard. He's had a get good attitude, you know, about it. Um, uh, so it's a, uh, uh, you know, it's kind of tough to see. It's been three years now since he won. It's amazing really when you think about it, you know, and, uh, another guy that kind of made some headlines this weekend. And I, and I honestly, I think if it's not for the log jam and for more shot at 16 on Sunday and just everything that happened, you know, in the round Sunday, we'd be talking about it more, but, you know, Brooks Kepka comes out Saturday with the comments of, you know, DJ's only won one. You know, I'm I'm the only guy in this leaderboard that's, you know, really won majors and stuff like that. Uh, Roy McIlroy comes out and says, you know, he wasn't a fan of him disrespecting DJ, who had 21 tour wins. Just, um, you know, what do you kind of make of the Brooks Kepka situation? A, his comments, and then B, you know, kind of how he backed it up on the course on Sunday. Yeah, you know, I didn't have any problem with what he said. It maybe came off a little harsh. But, you know, we want these guys to be honest, and then we criticize them when they are. Right. You know, I, I, I kind of like that he said said what he said. He, he could have framed it a little bit better. He could have just said, look, I like my chances. You know, there's only one other guy up there with a major. I've got four. I'm only two behind. You know, I've beaten him before. You know, I, I feel like if I play a good round of golf, I've got a great chance. It, it sounded kind of condescending and off-putting the way he worded it, but you know it's okay. It, it, you know, but when you say that, you know, you, you, you probably better not shoot the second or worst score of the day, right? And uh, which is what he did, you know. And and it's unfortunate because I think I really think his run to to, tr- to trying to win three in a row is underplayed. It's really really hard. And he, he two years in a row he was going for a third straight major in that event. That's just remarkable, you know, and and in the in last year at the U.S. Open he finished second, so he went one one two. Here he went one one and whatever tied for tenth, uh, but but yet he was there on the final day. It's not that easy. These are completely different courses, different times of year, right. you know. Different, you know. He's had a lot of struggles physically, and he found some form here in the last few weeks and just wasn't able to keep it going. Uh, so. And, and, you know, I got no problem with what Rory said either. I, I like it when these guys are honest. That's what we want. And uh, we might not always agree, but I'd rather that they say that than, you know, gloss over it or lie or, or you know, downplay it. It's good. It's good for the game, I think. It brings out a couple of different sides. It gives us stuff to talk about. And uh, I think both of them have fair, you know, things. There's fair things on, e- on either side of it. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, it, it was – like you said, we want all our athletes to be honest and tell us the truth. And we, we get on to the coaches for coach speak and, and I, I enjoyed it. You know, let, let's during this time, you know, you know, put it out there. And, you know, like you said, he could have worded it different. Um, 
you know, we're getting into the FedEx Cup playoffs and down the stretch, and everybody's chasing Justin Thomas right now. We've kind of hit on it earlier. Give us some names to watch kind of down the stretch of who, you know, who might be on the outside that might can make a run at it. Obviously, Morikawa put himself in a good spot. Um, but who are some other names to watch out for here for the FedEx Cup championship? Well, you know, Brooks is way out of it right now. He's 92nd, I think, in the points uh, or 80-something. You know, he gave him he gave himself a big boost at the WGC yeah. and kind of let an opportunity to get by to move even farther up if he'd have stayed even in the top five. Uh, but, you know, he's got work to do. He, he needs to get into the top 70 to make the next one. So he's playing this week and then has next week. So, you know, I, I think you keep an eye on a guy like that. You know, you kind of have to – the guys who are outside of the top 70, even outside the top 80, it's a real long shot for them. They're going to have to have high finishes every week. We've got some guys, because of the quirkiness of the schedule this year, who are way back, you know, who who just, you know, obviously we've had less events. And, uh, and so they've not been able to accumulate the points. I mean, Tiger is a good example – you know, Tiger was 28th when the when the restart started, and now he's 47th. And you know, usually you win a tournament like he did in in, in earlier in the year, or actually in the, in the season back in October. And if all you got to do is you know have a couple of other decent finishes, and you're going to be in the Tour Championship. Yeah. But uh, but you know, obviously that's not been the case for Tiger. He's only played five events. Uh, one was a win. The other was a top nine, uh, was a t- tie for ninth. And, and, and the other three were way out of it, you know, where you're in, you know, once you get af- past the top 10 or 15, you, you are earning virtually no points, you know? So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting. Adam Scott is, I believe 34th in the points playing very little, you know, he played pretty well at the PGA. He's got a chance to, you know, with, with a good playoffs to get to Atlanta, um, you know, there's, uh, there's a couple of other guys who, who are a little farther down than you would expect, like a Matt Kuchar, he's 60th, Phil Mickelson, 63rd, you know, those guys have some work to do if they want to get to Atlanta. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned Phil, cause that was the last thing we wanted to hit on before, uh, you know, we got out of here. Just, uh, you know, number one, the PGA was one of the first, you know, sports to come back, uh, so, you know, since they have came back, the ratings have been pretty good for PGA. So, you know, just kind of want to get your thoughts on, A, the ratings and how good they have been over the course of the past few weeks, and then, B, uh, Phil Mickelson joining CBS broadcast for a couple hours uh, on Saturday and kind of had some back and forth uh, with Nick Faldo in the booth. <laughs> yeah, that came off pretty well, actually. Yeah. I think Phil, Phil, uh, Phil made himself look pretty good and did a nice job and – um, um, uh, I, I think he's got a future if he wants it, you right. know, if, if he wanted to do that, uh, you know, there, there's something to be said for the insight of guys who've been in, in, inside the ropes, you know, and especially for a guy who played in the tournament. I think that's pretty, pretty good. You know, he knows exactly where, where the, the hot spots were, where to miss it, where not to, uh, the ratings I think have been good because, you know, we've all been clamoring for sports. And even though even when golf has gone up against other sports here lately, it's done pretty well. Uh, you know, there's a lot of factors. You know, a lot of people there's they're stuck at home still. You know, there's 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 limits in what people are doing. They're trying to they're trying to do the right thing with the virus, and so 
I think people have found that, you know what, watching TV at home on the weekends is a safe haven. Maybe it's smarter to do that than to go to the beach or go to a, you know, a, an outing or a party or something, things that they're asking us not to do. Uh, so, you know, more people are watching these games, even though there's a lot of stuff to compete with it right now. You know, you got the hockey, NBA is going on, right. baseball's being played, and, you know, golf has held its own, you know, so it's, it's, it's been good, and maybe they've picked up a few more fans along the way. No doubt. Uh, obviously, Wyndham coming up, so, you know, be remiss if we didn't m- mention that. Just uh, I know it's a limited field this weekend in terms of big names, but just, uh, you know, what are you kind of looking for out of Wyndham, and who are some names to watch uh, this weekend in that? Well, you know, they've actually got a decent field. You know, Webb Simpson's playing, Brooks is playing. Um, there's some guys chasing that uh, Wyndham rewards money. Right. Uh, so... You know, I, I think they're, it's the last regular season event. It's the last chance to position yourself uh, for the playoffs. And, you know, it, it, being able to, for a guy, let's say, who's 120th, if he can move to 100th, it obviously improves his chances next week of moving into the top 70. Right. You know, I, I think some guys recognize that, look, I'm probably not going to make it to Atlanta. I might as well play now and try to play well. I think that's what this event is for. You know, I if if it would have been my call i would have i would have um i would have had them move the tour championship to november for this one year you could still play these events now uh but but cap it in in november and let the majors be included instead they're, they're sort of keeping to their same schedule this the season's actually going to end in three weeks and then we're going to start a new season the very next week and then play two majors in as part of the next season um I'm sure there were reasons why they did it this way, yeah. uh, but uh, you know, if, if just from a purely, you know, if you could just do whatever you wanted standpoint, I think we'd be far better off if they had just waited and included all these tournaments. You know, you could still play these playoff events now. Give more points for them if you want. Figure out some way to then and then just start up the new season in January. You know, like we used to do it, and just understand that things were going to be different this time. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, but some exciting golf coming up. Uh, obviously, really enjoyed your coverage uh, from the PGA Championship uh, this past week. One of the few media members that was there. Uh, you know, just for everyone listening, before we let you get out of here, just kind of tell everyone how they can follow along uh, with you and your stories and all you're doing with the PGA. Yeah, no, thank you. Well, um, obviously, staff writer, golf writer for ESPN.com. That's the main place to find me. Um, I'm on Twitter at Bob Herrig, B-O-B-H-A-R-I-G. I I link most of my work there as well and get into a few scuffles along the way (laughs) and, uh, uh, you know, try to keep it all in fun. And, uh, you know, every now and then they put me on TV, I think, when they're desperate or lacking or what have you. So, uh, but uh, my main thing is the writing part of it. That's my forte and... And uh, I hope to get back out there. for. I won't be there next week, but I hope to get there for a couple of the other playoff events. Bob, appreciate you taking so much time today. And, again, uh, looking forward to your coverage in the playoffs uh, and in the uh, majors down the road. Thanks a lot, guys. Be well. Bob Herrig of ESPN.com joining us this afternoon. All right, thanks to uh, Bob Herrick of ESPN Golf for hopping on with us this afternoon. Some great uh, insight from him on the PGA Championship that went down last weekend in San Francisco. Uh, 
I'm a barstool guy. I like Riggs uh, from Barstool, who has great golf coverage. But I think uh, there's nobody that has better golf coverage than him. Just following his uh, Twitter, you know, updates from Tiger, updates from Brooks Kepka, everybody on the course, and then uh, obviously getting to read his articles on ESPN. So always good to catch up with him um, and talk about the PGA Championship, which you know you and I are both in agreement was phenomenal. Um, last weekend and the ratings continue to be phenomenal for the PGA and I think it's only going to get better um, in the playoffs uh, here in the next few weeks or so yeah I mean even you know we really haven't had Tiger this year and the the ratings have been really good imagine if he starts playing more and has some success and it's just going to go through the roof you know and um, it's exciting. It's it's a fun time if you're a golf fan to really pay attention um, to what's going on. You've got some young guys coming in that are, you know, like like Morikawa. You know, like you know, he, he won a tournament earlier, but I don't think anybody was really picking him to win the PGA. And he makes his run, and now he's in a good spot to to win the FedEx. So, um, yeah, just just really really good time for golf right now. They're they seem to have figured this out, how to play and not be in a bubble, which is really cool. And um, hopefully it continues to work like that. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it's been fun. Looking forward to the playoffs coming up. Uh, uh, so we talked about at the beginning of the show how potentially going to have three podcasts this week. I think that's kind of locked in that we're going to have three podcasts this week. Uh, you know, we talked about kind of trying to range out. Uh, obviously, it's going to be a lot of women's basketball-centered stuff, but we've kind of ranged out in the last few weeks as, you know, news from other sports has kind of, you know, shaken the nation, especially from college athletics. Um, on Thursday, we're going to chat with Barrett Salee of CBS Sports. Uh, does phenomenal coverage for CBS uh, as a national college football writer, one of their top national uh, college football guys. Um, so going to chat with him just kind of about the landscape of college football and just everything that's gone down over the course of the last few weeks. Uh, and, and we might even try and get his thoughts, even though he's a football guy, on some proposals that are starting to leak out from college basketball today. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you got a guy like, you know, John, if you don't follow John Rothstein, we, we plugged Goodman, Jeff Goodman earlier. Yep. Um, John Rothstein's another great, great college basketball follow. And uh, he tweets out that uh, several basketball programs are being approached regarding potential non-conference, not even conference, non-conference bubble opportunities, um, which would be awesome. Yeah. I mean, you know, because I think a bubble is where we're going to go for conference play. It looks like, like I would, if I had a guess, that's what it would be right now. Um, and kudos for college basketball people right now to say, "Hey, we're going to figure out how to play." Yeah. And and I mean, man, how awesome would it be to get you know Duke and you know Michigan State, yeah, and some, Kansas, you know, in a bu- yeah. yeah, in a bubble, and they just play just. You know, just some knockdown dragouts. You know? Well, and here's why I know we're playing college basketball. It's been two or three weeks now, but you know, Coach K has his own Sirius XM show, and he was talking about it. And he said his quote was, "He was like, we have to play the NCAA tournament this year." He's like, "There's no ifs, ands, or buts. We have to play the NCAA tournament this year." And everybody in college basketball realizes that we have to play that tournament. So I've never worried about college basketball. I'm just worried about college football. Well. They're for 
what I don't understand is the NCAA has a better leadership group in place for college basketball than it does college football. And college football makes a ton of money for yeah. them. And but hey, here's the deal. I'm a I'm a basketball fan first. I'm a big Arkansas fan. It looks like we're gonna have a chance to make a little run at some things, possibly. Like if I had to pick, give me college hoops this year over college college football, but there's no reason why we can't play both. So Yeah. Um, you know, hopefully we can get on and uh and you know get that going. Hopefully they're learning from college football right now and getting a plan in place starting today of what they want to do and let's go ahead and put it out there so we don't look stupid and announce our schedule and then say we're not going to play. Yeah, which is what the Big Ten did. So, uh, oh, and the Pac-12. And the Pac-12, yeah. So, yeah, it, it is what it is. Everything's a mess. But, uh, no, thanks to Bob Hare for coming on. Fun to talk, you know, golf, something we haven't done just a whole lot on the pod. Um, we're going to have Barrett Salee on later this week. Uh, should be out Thursday or Friday. Have him on to talk everything college football. Um, and, I mean, honest to God, who knows? Who knows between now and Friday at, you know, or Thursday, I mean, at 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the afternoon when we have the podcast out, what else will happen in college football? But uh, it'll be fun to get his take. So, looking forward to that. Uh, I want to thank Bob here for coming on. Always thanks to Caleb Livingston on the other side. For everyone listening, thank you guys as well. Uh, We'll be back later this week with Barrett Salee. Until then, so long, everyone. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you guys Thursday.